a lot of the times customers and people who are running business, they want that immediate gratification. And, and, and when we're charged to, to do that, uh, oftentimes the right thing is to say, no, 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 we can't. Uh, and if that means that, well, this isn't uh, you know, a, a good fit for us, then I would rather do that than to jump in and do a poor job. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. I hate to state the obvious. Proper cybersecurity is no longer just a check-the-box activity. Cyber is once again getting the attention of corporate boards, CEOs, and business owners. If a CIO, VP, or director of IT is asked to speak to company leadership, chances are it's about cybersecurity, the threat of attack, and the question, are we protected? For years now, larger companies have responded to the cyber threats by adding a new leader to the C-suite, a CISO. Chief Information Security Officer, someone trained and experienced in protecting the organization from cyber threats, preparing them to respond quickly when attacked, and guiding the company in the right balance of investment and protection. But what about the small and mid-sized businesses, those who need a strong cybersecurity program but can't justify the expense of a full-time CISO? Today on Status Go, we will dive into fractional CISO services, otherwise known as virtual or vCISO services. What are they and what they aren't? And how you can best leverage these types of services. Our guest is Alan Jenkins. Alan is InterVision's very own Vice President of Cybersecurity Consulting and someone who has spent several years driving change in this space. Welcome to Status Go, Alan. Well, hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and unpacking this concept of vCISO services. But before we get, that, get to that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today, uh, and then we'll dive into the vCISO services. Sure, sure. So I can go down the long and winding road, so That's to That's right. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's a, uh, it is a really, really important topic, and I, I don't just say that because it's it's the world that I live in, but it, it just is. You know, I think one of the indicators of that is, uh, you know, last night on 60 Minutes, the top story was all about cyber, really, and how all of these things, we live in such a connected world now that uh, everything is, is precariously balanced. So uh, backing into that world is really how I got there, though, so I, I've been a technologist uh, most of my adult life. So I grew up uh, as a, an engineer helping people to, to design and build uh, computer networks and, and, and moved into you know, different roles throughout the, the 20, 30 plus years. I won't really age myself there, but uh, over the time, uh, backed into a number of interesting scenarios with folks. And probably the thing that, that drew me into cyber was we had a, a customer that was a healthcare customer who reached out and asked for some help uh, in their leadership. And actually, they needed somebody to take on a director of technology role for them because their director was leaving. 
uh, I stepped into the role in a, in a fractional sort of spot for them to to fill the gap, kind of keep the you know the the trains running on time, uh, and help them recruit for a, a new IT director. And while that was happening, I, I found out that hey, we also need you to act as our chief information security officer. Uh, we've had some issues with some data breaches, and this is healthcare. This is a a moderately uh, good sized organization, uh, and so I backed into that. I fell into that and, uh, and, and learned a lot working through the investigation on that data breach and working with the team to better secure that environment. And, and through uh, most of the things in my life, I've kind of fallen into it and you know, scraped my knees and, and scraped my elbows and learned a lot. And I was able to come out of that and said, uh, hey, there, there's a lot more need for this out there in the world. Let's see how we can help others do that. Nothing like kind of going from the frying pan to the fire, right? You, <laughs> you, you take on this uh, this assignment and find out they're in the midst of a breach. What what was that? What was that like walking into that? Uh, just well, emotionally. Well, you know, it, it, it's stressful. You know, it's high. It's highly stressful. One, you know, I've, again, I've been doing technology for a long time. But most of that was focused on, uh, and I hate to say it like this, but it was a stick and move. You know, you, you help somebody build something, uh, you build it well, and you move to the next. Mm -hmm. uh, not usually operationally minded and certainly not that uh, concerned about security, mm -hmm. as most of us hadn't been for up until probably right. the last 10 years, right? If we yeah. built a network and it worked and it did the things that we wanted, the applications ran, the, the phones uh, you know, gave you dial tone, you were good. Uh, but, uh, and not that cyber isn't, hasn't been around for a while, but it really has hit mainstream in the last yeah. 10 or 15 years. And so that turning the corner and saying, just making it work isn't enough, making sure that it's secure. And then what do we do if it, if the security controls that we put in place fail? Uh, and that's, that's where it gets hairy. Uh, and, and, and certainly I've seen a lot of that uh, but the short answer was it was really scary. You know, you jumped into something that you're not quite sure you know what to do with, uh, but people are counting on you to help them. And yeah. uh, you know, you know, you sink or swim. I've been I was very fortunate that I, I floated to the top and was able to stay there. Uh, you know, and the secret to a lot of success for me is also that I've been surrounded by really really good people, mm -hmm. uh, and being able to find those good people and learn from them and leverage their strengths is always important. Isn't that a, a testament to uh, life in IT where you're surrounded by by great people and you get to learn from those around you? Uh, what a what a great experience that had to be. And and it seems like it it propelled you in this new direction of what became virtual CISO uh, services. I don't know that we were calling them that seven or eight years ago. Uh, but talk to us a little bit, Alan, about what is the role? Let's just talk in general, the role of the CISO. Sure. What does that person bring to the table? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked, honestly, because all things, uh, specifically security, get very confusing for people, right? So there's so many different roles. Uh, it's gotten very large. You know, you, the, the things that are sexy and that a lot of people are interested in and a lot of programs are built around hacking or, or, or those sorts of things. But uh, really the CISO role, uh, you know, Chief Information Security Officer, to me is the person who needs to kind of chart the course 
and help drive the, the, the program uh, forward and work with the business to understand, you know, what's critical to the business, what would hurt if it weren't available or if it were compromised, and then determine, well, how can we protect those things? And then if things go awry, how can we rapidly detect and contain? Uh, so really, you know, if, if you think about it in, in, in military terms, we want to keep the blast radius as small as possible. Uh, so, you know, really that to me is the chief information security officer role. And it's not, you know, it's, it's a team sport. I always talk to people about cybersecurity really being a team sport. You know, I need, mm -hmm. uh, I need to be able to do what I do and do it well, but I need other people to do what they do and do it really well as, you know, as part of that program. Uh, and the challenge that, that we've seen uh, that I think has you know, sort of led us down the path of providing virtual CISO services, uh, and you alluded to this at the top of the call, is that a, a lot of organizations aren't ready. Uh, they, they aren't big enough. They aren't mature enough. They don't have the, the need for that full-time uh, role, or they can't afford the full-time role, but they still need the services. So if we can determine how we can come in in a part-time role, so to speak, and help them to better secure their environment mm -hmm. and map out what the needs are. And then again, we're sort of the conductor, if you will. So what pieces do you need? Do you need better you know, security around your endpoints? Do you need better security at the perimeter? Do you need better security in the web? And then pulled in the experts to help us determine, well, what are the pieces we need to put in place to make that happen? Yeah. And that's our role. A lot of it's also sort of translation. As this becomes highly technical, uh, and and for the the average you know small to mid sized customer, those words don't mean anything when we get into those really really technical terms around encryption and the levels of yeah. encryption. Uh, that's tough to swallow. So you know my role a lot of the times is talking to the really smart guys about the need for encryption, for example, but then translating that to something the customer can understand. Yeah. Well. So we're probably uh, have many of our listeners out there that uh, are either, you know, small, medium sized business owners, or maybe they're working in IT. Uh, they might be the director of IT, vice president of IT. They may be the CIO. Why, why do we need uh, a separate role? Why, why is that separation important? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons for that, really. One of them is and we see this with audit a lot of the times right so the reason that i would normally bring in an auditor and i wouldn't use the person who he built the system for example is you won't see some of the gaps right mm -hmm. so a lot of the times it's really helpful to have that third party or that third set of eyes the additional eyes that is involved in the operational aspect to see the environment through a different lens and to look at it to say oh how how can we better secure this environment. We do a lot of uh, a lot of security risk assessments and oftentimes that's the first step in any engagement even in a virtual CISO because we we need to determine where are you now mm -hmm. and figure out well how do we improve? And one of the common discussions that I have with people when we engage in that sort of thing is to to point out that we're really not looking at at things to say you did a bad job. Uh, we don't want to point out bad things that that have been done. What we want to do is figure out how can we improve? Where do we mm -hmm. see gaps so that we can improve the environment? Because the concern isn't around whether you did a good job or a bad job. The concern is, is that going to be exploited by a bad right. actor? 
Right. So, you know, we find that additional set of eyes that isn't involved in the day-to-day -day operational can be really important. Mm -hmm. Also, the job's just gotten big, right? So, so I mean, it's, it's really, really hard. Uh, you know, we talk to people all the time who are really, really smart, who are running their IT organization, uh, oftentimes very well uh, for what they need to have happen. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that's a full-time job times two sometimes. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, they're mired. They, they may know that they want to secure their environment better. They may have really good ideas about it, but one, they don't have the time to do it. Oftentimes they don't have the experience. So they, they know, but they haven't done uh, and they just can't get to it. So it's on the list, but it continues to stay at the bottom of the list and it never gets executed on. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the points that I make a lot of the time to, to folks when we're engaging in sort of that virtual CISO role is that we're not going to get pulled down the rabbit hole of the day-to-day -day operational. You know, you're going to get pulled into, I can't print, or I can't get this thing to work in my environment. My phone doesn't function the right way. We're not. You know, our role is, you know, laser focused on, on making sure that you're going to be more secure. Yeah. But back in the day, and I'd say back in the day, maybe seven, ten years ago, there was this real struggle between security and efficiency and productivity, right? If I put all this security in there, you're just going to slow me down. You're going to make it impossible for me to do my job. Are you still seeing that out there in, in business today, Alan? A little bit, a little bit. So I think one, we've gotten better yeah, it is in, about that, right? Happened. Because in the security landscape, uh, we've learned, right? We can't stop productivity to be more secure. I can make you secure if I turn everything off and unplug all the wires. Okay. So you're absolutely secure. You're also not doing business. So, yeah. so that's not an answer. So we've learned a little bit about that. Also, the technology has gotten a lot better. So the thing, the pieces that we put in play, I call them the components that make up the systems. You know, the, the endpoint tools that we put in are a lot lighter on an endpoint than what they used to be. Uh, the, you know, the tools that we deploy need, need to be lighter in their approach while they need to do heavier and heavier lifting. So that's, that's you know, a challenge for our, our, our partners who are out there de developing and designing these solutions. Uh, it's on us as, as advisors to our customers, though, to, to kind of tread that line to help them understand, uh, you know, that this may it may slow things down, but we need to make sure that it doesn't slow it down too much. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's the challenge. The places where we see that the most are the things that are right in front of your face. So, you know, some of the technologies that do that uh, are things like mobile device management. Why? Because it's the device that people touch. So if, if we deploy that, and I've certainly done that in a lot of environments and that's where we get into a lot of politics because we're touching a device that somebody uses every day. So if we affect its performance, we've done a bad thing. Uh, we also see that with things like multi-factor authentication. Uh, we're adding a step, right? Yeah. It's an important step, but it's a, it, we're adding a step. So there's a way for us to design these solutions and deploy these solutions so that they provide better security without drastically hampering the productivity in the environment. And if we don't do that, we're not doing our job as an advisor to the customer, because ultimately we're trying to make sure their producti productivity stays at the highest level that it can while securing the environment. Uh, security uh, needs to be a partner with the business. And if we're slowing the business down, 
uh, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, even, even to the point of slowing down to read an email, right? You, you, that's, I, I don't know if that is the number one way that, that, uh, we see cyber attacks today, but I know it's, it's up there is the phishing scams and, mm -hmm. and such and teaching people to stop and think because we get in that rush and yeah. we're, we're just trying to clear the incoming flood. Um, and uh, I, I got an email uh, over the weekend uh, about from a software, supposedly from a software company that I use uh, to, to manage my business. Uh, and it wanted me to update all my tax information. Hmm. Well, why? Good. <laughs> you know, you got to stop and ask, why all of a sudden are they asking me to do that? I mean, I know it's tax time, mm -hmm. but I've already got my 1099, mm -hmm. right? So something well, good my for you. Good uh, for you to think that way. That's, that's the challenge is some of the, and you're dead on, right? Phishing is the perfect weapon right now for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the common statements that I hear, I want to make sure that I say it right because it's a little bit of a tongue twister, but sometimes you hear that people are the biggest uh, threat to the organization. And I don't really like to say that because the people are actually what makes the organization tick, right? So yeah, yeah. kind of my back to my analogy, if I can you know, unplug everything and turn it off and you'll be safe. Well, if I don't have any employees, you'd be safe too, but you also, again, wouldn't have a business. So you know, people, I think, can be the most vulnerable to the organization, but I don't like to think of people as a threat. But I tell you, in a lot of the consulting that we do, that's one of the missing components uh, is slowing people down and doing training and teaching them. A lot of the reason that phishing, for example, is so successful is that a lot of it is psychological, right? So if I send you just like these guys did and you know, it's tax time. So you want to deal with that. Or if I, you know, a common, uh, threat that we see exploited is, uh, is, is using the, don't you want to help the IT team message? So, hey, your password needs to be reset. Yeah, if you click here and input your information, then the IT folks won't have to do this. So, you know, most people want to be helpful. So you yeah. want to do that. Uh, you, know, you know, so that's that's psychological. So going through and training people to to think about these things and respond to them appropriately and then putting measurements in place where we reward people for alerting us. And you know, so there's a, also this common thought that if I click on something, I don't want to tell anybody, right? Because I might have just caused a problem. Well, we don't want that. You know, so they're afraid. What we want people to say is, I clicked on something. Let me tell somebody as fast as possible and reward them for letting us know, uh, you know, and not beat them about the head for, for not telling it. Uh, but it's, you know, I see that all the time. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so that's a big deal. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, we talked a little bit about what is the role of a of a CISO or a VCISO. What isn't the role? What's a misconception that's out there about the role? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point too. And this is that's another challenge that we have. Again, sort of back to that security is security is security concept. Is uh, security is a big world, so uh, not everybody is is right to do all the chores, and they shouldn't be. So oftentimes when, when we're engaged to do a, a virtual CISO type of engagement, uh, people might think, well, you're going to come in and you're going to 
reconfigure my firewalls and you're going to configure you know, the identity and authentication uh, tool sets and we're not. Uh, we're, we typically uh, in that role, we don't lay hands on to the equipment, uh, right? That's the role for security engineers. That's the role for security architects. Uh, what we need to do is, is to work with the customer to understand what, how to better secure the environment and then work with those smart engineers and architects to develop and then deploy the solutions. Uh, so that's a really common you know, misnomer. Uh, there's so many different roles in security. A common role, and we, we do a lot of work in this area, a common role is pen testing and vulnerability assessments, right? And that's a really important piece of the security puzzle is to, to do testing and to see, well, where do we, where do we stand? And, and then, but then taking that data, the findings from a test like that to find out, well, we've got gaps in these places that report needs to come to somebody like this CISO or the virtual mm -hmm. CISO because we can use that. That becomes part of the evidence that we use to develop how we're going to harden the environment. Uh, but it is very common for someone to think, well, the security person does all of these things. Uh, and there are some really, really, you know, wizard-like security people out there who do all the things but those are, they're not, they're, those people aren't the normal people, right? There's yeah. only so much room in, in most people's brains. So you really need to focus on the things that you can do and do well. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back to the, you know, it's a team sport. Uh, I found that I work better in that team sport environment uh, in helping to do the things that we can do, but I shouldn't be configuring your firewalls. I shouldn't be configuring endpoints. I shouldn't be doing forensics analysis. I need to be able to ingest that information and understand it, but I'm not the one who should do that. Yeah. I, I love the way you described it. I listened to uh, you talk several weeks ago uh, and you described kind of your initial role coming into a, a, a new environment as meeting the client where they are. From your perspective, what does, what does it mean to meet a client where they are? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, that's important to me, at least in, in, in my personal sort of methodology is, again, I realize and I, I look at this, uh, this security journey as something that's important, but what's more important is the business being able to do business, whether that business is running a school system or whether it's manufacturing something or, you know, go down the list. Our job in, in the security space is to help them protect and defend that environment so that they can do what they do. Mm -hmm. So we need to, to meet them, if you will, where they are and figure out, well, what are the important pieces of your business? What really it, you know, makes this business tick? And then understand, well, what are the components? What are the servers, the clouds, the network equipment that make these business functions operate? And then how can we defend those? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really, really the critical path. One of the things that I see get missed a lot is that step. And, and I don't say that to throw anybody under the bus, but it, it's, really, it's really easy just to jump in and say, well, we've got the solution, but we really need to understand the problem first. And it's you know, a lot of the times it's, it's not just people in our world that do that. A lot of the times customers and people who are running business they want that immediate gratification. Give me the you know, give me the prescription, so to speak. 
But the challenge is my, I can't go to my doctor and, and, and get the prescription until they do some analysis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, and, and when we're charged to, to do that, uh, oftentimes the right thing is to say, no, 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 we can't. Uh, and if that means that, well, this isn't uh, you know, a, a good fit for us, then I would rather do that than to jump in and do a poor job. Well, if I'm a leader at a small or mid-sized business, how can I best help you help me? Sure. Well, I think part of that is is one, um, I'll pivot that back around. I think it's my job and people who are in my role to educate a little bit first, right? So uh, again, this security world is big, it's, it's nasty, it's conf- it's, it's, it can be very technical and confusing. And typically the person who's trying to run their business, they don't understand this they, and they shouldn't understand it, not at the level that I need to. Uh, at the same time, I don't know how to run their business, right? So there, there's, there's a value that they have that I don't have. So I think it's important for me to be able to spend time to educate them and make them aware of the pieces that they need to know while not inundating them with all of the minutia that they don't need to know. And then if I can approach them in that way, then they're gonna have a more open mind to, to say, yeah, I do understand that this is important and that we do need to take the time to possibly slow our users down and have them read emails or spend some time doing training with our users. That's an investment on an organization's point of view, right? So, so when those users are doing the training, they're not doing their other job. And so that could be looked at as a hindrance. So I really look at it as, as my job or people in my type of role to, to inform that business leader uh, so that they can make that decision, that this is important enough for me that I do want to slow down. I do want to dedicate a little time for that training. I do want to dedicate a little time for this tool to slow this machine down a fraction of a percent of the time. Uh, And that's tough, uh, specifically for a lot of people in the security space. uh, They have a technical background. Mm -hmm. And so they immediately want to say, you should do this. And they want everybody's head to nod up and down. (laughs) And if they don't, then that person's stupid. (laughs) Right. And, And it, you know, it really doesn't work like that. If I can't, explain it to that business leader in such a way that it does make good business sense for them. That's my fault. It's not the business leader's fault altogether. Well, wouldn't it just be easier if I just went to the cloud, then I don't have to worry about all this security stuff. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) uh, Partial credit, you get partial credit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the cloud presents interesting, uh, interesting pieces all the way around, right? So the cloud's a good thing. Uh, it, you know, it provides a lot of elasticity, a lot of ability to grow, expand, scale. It takes a lot of the lifting off of the infrastructure, uh, at least at the first level. Uh, the challenge, though, is exactly what you said tongue in cheek, is a lot of people don't understand that because I put my stuff in the cloud, it doesn't mean you get to wash your hands of the security responsibility that you have. Uh, and assuming that the cloud vendor is securing your stuff is just bad. Uh, you can't make that assumption. Uh, a lot of cloud solutions do add some fundamental security best practices. So things like physical security, uh, you get away from concerning yourself nearly as much about that. Right. Uh, and, and just to break that down, what do I mean? So if, if Jeff and Alan have our own little business and we've got some servers and that we've got in our, in our office, 
I've got to make sure that people can't just walk in and pick up those servers and walk away with them. Right. Sounds simple, uh, but it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get away from that if I put my servers in the cloud or those functions in the cloud because these cloud providers, they're highly secure from a physical uh, point of view. I can't just walk in there and pick up a server and walk out with it. So those pieces do go away. Uh, but some of the other pieces, uh, the, the fact that I've got to care a lot about identity, uh, who's logging in really becomes super important because that's how I get access. I need to care about how that data gets backed up and how it gets re- how I can restore it, which oftentimes in the cloud does not happen natively. A lot of the time data just gets replicated in the cloud, which is good for a, you know, a high availability solution. Mm-hmm. But if I've got something bad in my primary location, it just means that that bad gets replicated to the secondary location that much faster. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, backups still matter. So uh, moving things to the cloud, I think, is a great solution. Uh, it needs to be just like any other solution. It needs to be well thought out, well designed, well deployed, and then well managed. But it does not alleviate uh, this. It doesn't take the responsibility away for security. Uh, it changes that, and you know, and, and there's different. There's shared responsibility models that say if you put your stuff in the cloud, you don't have to care about this piece, but you still have to care about this piece. And there's layers of that that are really important. And, and navigating that's got to be a, a challenge. Well, so I'm an IT person. I believe that we need to have secured environments, but I just can't convince my business ownership to invest the dollars. Can you help me? That's part of the job, right? Uh, it, it really is. And, and that's a very common issue. A lot of the times technologists understand that, hey, there's a gap here. Translating that into why this matters, you know, why you should invest is a big part of the, the puzzle. Uh, I like to, to lean against uh, you know, factors there like risk assessment uh, methodologies for us to really look at the importance of the, the important concepts to the business. So if I sat down with you, Jeff, and you know, one of my first questions in any sort of risk assessment methodology would be, what's important to you? And if you tell me, well, accounting, you know, if, if, if I couldn't write checks to my employees, that would be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's think about that. And let's figure out, well, where, where are the systems that, that allow you to write those checks? Well, if that's on server A, and I've got four PCs that, that connect to server A through these switches and this firewall, then I need to look at those and determine, you know, how secure are they? After we assess those types of things, then we can, and we find any gaps. So maybe we find out that there's some misconfigurations there. Then it's our job to look at that through a risk sort of point of view. And what I mean there is what's the likelihood that whatever the gap is that we found would be exploited? And then what would the impact to the organization be if it were? And that'll give us a risk score. So then we can look at all the findings through a risk assessment process and score those. Then we can sit down with the business and have a discussion not about technology tools, but we have discussions around the risks to the environment. You have a risk to your environment, and this is what it is. This is how likely it is. This is the impact it would have to your business. And this is how much it would affect you, either through downtime, uh, loss of ability to continue to manufacture widgets or, or what have you. And then they can make an educated decision on whether they want to invest 
in closing those gaps or not. Yeah. Becomes their, what's their appetite for risk? Right? Absolutely. You, you've defined what the risk is. Uh, now, what's my appetite as a business leader to, to accept that risk? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, really, to kind of go back to a question you asked earlier, to me, that's the job of the CISO mm-hmm. you know, or the virtual CISO. It really is about risk management. Uh, and so all the things behind the scenes that are that are interesting, all the technology tools, all the security tools that we deploy make that happen. But what we're really trying to do is reduce risk to the organization. Yeah. Uh, but in any sort of business, and if I'm the business leader, if I'm the CIO, the COO, even up to the CFO and the CEO, I care about where I invest time and money. And so I, as a security practitioner or security leader, need to be able to point out why you should invest and make a good case for that. And if I can't do that, then I can't, I'm not doing a good job. Well, we have, we have come up on time. I, I knew it would fly by once, once you and I started talking, I, I, I've really enjoyed this. I, we want to leave our listeners with a really strong call to action. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Alan. I'm going to ask you for a call to action for two types of listener. What's a call to action for the business leader at a small or mid-sized organization? And what's the call to action for our listeners that are CIOs, CTOs, the IT professionals? So two call to actions, if you don't mind. Yeah, I think I'll start with the, the, the technical, uh, the CIO, the CTO folks. I think for, for those folks, the call is to realize that exactly what we just said is that the business leader may not understand all of the technology that we're discussing. So there, I think it really, it puts you in the role of either taking on that risk uh, planning or, or partnering and finding people to help you to do that. You need uh, in that role, in my opinion, to be able to tell the business about the risks that they need to deal with. Uh, and, you know, the common things that you know, we're seeing out there. So being able to tell those stories, stories matter. So telling the stories of this happened at the pipeline. This happened, you know, with the, the, the people who manufacture the chicken that I want to pick up tonight. You know, so telling those stories is important. Uh, and I think that's the, the path forward for those folks. I think for the business leaders, I think for, for, for those people, it's to maybe, uh, and this is, this is harder for me uh, because I feel like I'm preaching a little bit to the choir when I say this, but is to have that open mind and to realize that I can't continue to do business the same way I've been doing it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've called this a couple of times in some presentations I've had, uh, the, the head in the sand uh, practice. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And, and the, 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 the comment about, uh, it's not going to happen to me. I don't have anything that interesting. Uh, we're too small. None of those matter because if you've got an IP address or you're connected to the internet, you can be impacted. So I think really taking a little different view and realizing that as a leader of the organization, I'm responsible for making sure that we're safe and secure. And let me give this a little more time than I had been giving it. I love I love that advice uh, for for both parties in this equation, and it's it's so important and it's it's more important each and every day as as we look at these threats and look at doing business. 
Alan, I want to thank you for carving out time to chat with us today. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, several insights that our, that our listeners are going to get from this, and I really appreciate you taking the time. No, I, th I appreciate you uh, giving me the time, Jeff. It, this is an important uh, concept. It's an important story to tell. Uh, I do a lot of, of talks with customers, a lot of talks for, for uh, webinars and whatnot. And just the more we can get the message out, uh, and then, you know, if we can help people or if there are others, it's really important that we just get uh, get the business and schools and all these environments secure, uh, because if we don't, bad things can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. And to our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Alan Jenkins. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.